Hey everyone, Vicky McLeod here. Welcome back to the podcast. This time around, I get the chance to speak to Ollie Mansbridge. Not only is he the European Regional Manager for CrossFit, he is also one of the organisers and founders of Strength in Depth. We talk about how CrossFit has changed his life and how it is growing in Europe, along with, of course, a little chat about the upcoming semi-final. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome, Ollie Mansbridge. You are a rare find. You are a CrossFit Level 3 certified trainer, as well as being the co-owner of CrossFit Bath the country manager for the UK and Ireland, and the European manager for CrossFit, and the organiser of Strength and Depth. So thank you for spending some time with me today, because you are a busy guy. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Vicky. Um, just one slight correction. So I'm no longer country manager for UK and Ireland. Oh, who is that now? Uh, that's Carl Stedman, who you should definitely get on here. Oh, I'd love that. I call him the godfather of CrossFit in Europe. He's... Uh, He's been a flow master for going on 13, 14 years now. Um, and his partner, Rachel, his better half, uh, between those two, they um, support the UK and Irish affiliates now, um, which then frees me to help support the, the European community. Okay, so an update on LinkedIn is required. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the easiest place for us to start talking about you and CrossFit is you can, if you can tell me how CrossFit changed your life? Yeah, that's um, it's a pretty easy one. And then um, was trying to figure out what I was going to do in my life and stumbled across CrossFit working at a country club. And uh, what, I've, what I was kind of missing when I gave up rugby was that competitive element, and CrossFit definitely gave me that. Um, but what I qu quickly realised was it, it kind of, um, because the workouts were hard and you couldn't really cheat them, it made me... Um, a little bit more resilient hmm. and um sorry that's all right <laughs> sorry Becky who's that that is Rebecca hey Rebecca <laughs> she uh she's a sports therapist here so she um treats all the guys in the in the gym uh, yeah sorry about that well, real life is happening it's okay yeah, exactly. Uh, right, where was I? Sorry. Um, so, yeah, so... Uh, resilience. Resilience, found the workouts hard. Um, and what I found was it started to make me more resilient. And I, 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 was, in a, I was in a quite dark place when I finished playing rugby because, I, you know, I had no... I was going to be a rugby player. That's what I was going to do. Mm. There was no plan B. And so, um, you know, when that started to realize when I started to realize that that wasn't going to transpire and I wasn't going to be the success I thought I was going to be it, um yeah I, I, was, I was I was struggling I was really struggling I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far as saying I was depressed but I was definitely 
really struggling and, and soul searching what I was going to do in my life. And I found through the workouts, um, it did teach me a resilience. And also, I think when I look back at myself when I was kind of 22, 23, I don't think I was as good a person as I am now. And as bizarre as this sounds, I feel like um, because of the workouts were hard and you couldn't cheat them and it just helped improve me and allowed me to do harder things. Mm-hmm. Kind of hardened me up a bit and gave me, like I said, gave me that resiliency. Um, and and I, I look back at the moment from when I started doing CrossFit and since that point, I met my wife, I started a gym, um, I got my work ethic improved. I had better health and mental clarity and felt like I had more energy because of the way I educated myself through the, the, um, the nutrition aspect of things. And interestingly, like, although I was playing rugby, I really ironically didn't enjoy the fitness side of it. I just wanted to play rugby, um, which is a big mistake. And I think, yeah, so it's uh, CrossFit helped me see the value of that stuff as well. You know, and and taking care of yourself and all that all that stuff that was trying to I was trying to you know was being forced uh, down my throat when I was a rugby player, but I was kind of didn't have the right attitude and was ignorant and didn't take advice to it. So, um, so yeah, that's I guess that's how it changed my life. So it made you a fully fledged proper grown up. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and maybe that was just like perfect timing <laughs> within mm. my life, but um. Yeah, it was definitely the thing that I needed to get me back on track. And it did get me back on track. Um, and it led me down a path which um, I'm incredibly grateful for. So I do have regrets in, in rugby. Um, I do feel like it was an unfinished business and I didn't fulfill my potential. And that's partly what drives me today is because, of, because I underachieved in my mind. Um, I don't want to have that same feeling again, but it... It, um, yeah, it definitely led me down a path which I absolutely love and wouldn't change for the world. And, you know, I, you, you reeled off all the bits and pieces that I do. My life is CrossFit, as sad as that sounds, and um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I love it. So, You opened CrossFit Bath in 2009. Mm-hmm. And did you, right from the beginning, feel that you were in it to change lives? I definitely, I think everybody goes, the majority of affiliate owners, I think, go through this experience where it has a has such a big impact on you personally that you just want to share that with other people. And actually, at the time, I don't think I could put my finger on what it was. I don't think I could articulate what it was. I just loved it and the way it made me feel and the way it was improving my life. And um I think we just wanted to share that and shout about it. And, and at the time, nobody knew what CrossFit was. So I think we were the ninth, mm. we were the ninth affiliate in the UK. Um, and, you know, we would travel two hours to meet up with other CrossFitters um, and do a workout with them. And, uh, yeah, we were just very passionate about just sharing CrossFit as many as people as you can. We were very much, like, indoctrinated into the coal. And it was, you know, that was what we were fixated on and were passionate about and stuff. And uh, yeah, we didn't really have, there was no plan. There was no business plan. And again, I think that's very common with affiliate owners when they start. It's definitely born out of a place of of passion and just wanting to share it with other people because of how much we loved it. And um, we felt like it could definitely benefit other people. 
When did the urge to organize competition start? Um, so we, back in the day, rightly or wrongly, we were very, and I think it was part of our age, to do with our age as well, we were very, we were a competitive gym. We were, we did a lot of competitions and we wanted to turn up to competitions and we trained for competitions. Um, and we went to a competition that we used to love called Divided We Fall, organised by um, a gentleman called Matthew Evans, who is a seminar staff as well. And it was a four-person competition, so two males, two females. Um, and we would do that every year and we loved it. But what we found was we were turning up with three, four, five teams. And... Um, Obviously, with my rugby background, um, it never felt four people didn't really feel like a property. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was having a I was having a beer actually with one of our members at the gym, who's a successful businessman in his own right, and um, he was a former Royal Marine as well. And we were just kind of bouncing ideas off around what we could do with the gym and what could be the next step and what, what what else could we get involved in CrossFit? And we came up with the idea of a competition and there weren't the very, there was a, you know, it wasn't like it was today. There was a handful of competitions, maybe four or five in the whole of the country, uh, but we wanted to do something different. And because we were going to divide before with three, four teams, I thought, you know, we felt like it would be really cool to combine all those teams and have a, you know, a full reflection of your your box and have masters and um involved and make sure that we we actually ha- you have to have masters and a split of male and females as well and so we decided to come up with strength and depth what we now call origins which is a 12 person competition and um yeah it just was more of a representation of your box and, and also part of the logic behind it was you would maybe get your top team might make it to a, a, a really high prestigious event um, and like regionals back in the day and stuff, they would only be reserved for your, your top, top athletes. And what we want to do is develop an event and a, and a competition which digs deeper down into your depth within your box and allow, you might only be the, the seventh fittest in your gym or the fifth fittest in your gym but you can still come to a premium competition, a professional competition that's well run and has a bit of gravitas and, and feel special. And so they were kind of all the the logic behind us starting this event and wanting to to yeah deliver a competition for a, a broader reach of people within your box. So that's where the name strength and depth comes from. Yeah, correct. Got it. Because oh, that was one of my questions. Like, it's because it's such an OG event now isn't it that it's actually for people who may come fresh to CrossFit they may not know that story and understand where that name comes from now it's just SID or strength in depth you know and everyone just gets on with it and doesn't question it because it's nice to know the the background so that what year did you first start that yeah I'm gonna say we came up with the idea in 2014 I think um and then we delivered our first event for about it was 30 teams of 12 i think Oof. yeah so now we do 80 teams of 12 
So we've gone from 30 teams. And, and when we did 30 teams, we think we can't possibly do any more than this. This is the absolute max. But you learn and you evolve and you grow and as you, you know, over time. And um, each year we would just add a little bit more and add a few more teams. And um, we would get more efficient with the programming and timings and that type of stuff. So um, so now we have yeah, the, the, the original event that we created still going today. And um, last year, last winter, we did 80 teams of, of 12. Was that in London or did so you that's in Bath? Bath? So that's... We always do it at the Bath University. It's kind of, uh, it's great because we, because of its proximity to the box, we have, like the whole gym gets involved, whether we have a team competing, volunteers, team leads, um, spectators. Yeah, so it's a real, um, it's a real family affair and a, a box, box event uh, at its core, an affiliate event at its core. Um, and yeah, it's easy, obviously, because you get to sleep in your own bed and, there's lots of yeah. faces around and stuff so um, but the Braff University's got brilliant facilities it has a pool so we always do swimming it has a running track so we always do some type of running event outside it has some external kind of fields and stuff so we can get creative with some type of long stretch or run or something like that um, as well as the traditional um, kind of CrossFit um, Metcons like couplets triplets and stuff in the in the main arena so was the guy that you were talking about, um, you know, over a beer, like throwing ideas around? Is he still involved? Yes, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's he's very busy. He's started up a new um, venture, uh, SaaS business, like software business. Um, so he's very tied up on that. So it's very much on on myself and and Megan, my wife. Actually, um, we've uh we're kind of the engine rooms i guess and, and keep mm-hmm. going on but he's very much still still involved just maybe not as much uh, operationally so you've got strength and depth origins mm-hmm. and then you have and then we've got now we have strength and depth semi-final yeah and we also do a, a pairs event as well um which is super inclusive so we don't have a rig um we try and keep it um low scale so double un- no double unders and, and bits and pieces like that just as a bit of an entry level for people so it's like you know you want to do a competition you've maybe done a few box throwdowns in your own affiliate or another affiliate and you you're ready to make that leap to go and do a competition uh, but you don't maybe don't feel like you could do it on your own you're not brave enough to go and do it on your own yet but you mm. refine the skills or you don't want to feel like you're you're going to be exposed maybe doing some of the higher skilled stuff um so we we um it actually existed before it ran was run by a friend of mine um and we took it over um but it was very much like felt like a nice entry level competition for people to do um yeah so we, so we do that as well um as well as the the semi final now so organizing competitions is a really complex job on top of all the other complex jobs that you're doing. Yeah. How far out from a competition would you say that you actually start to plan it? Well, I think the planning starts the day you finish the one previously. <laughs> uh, or during the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, we always do kind of a, a review and a wrap-up of the event just so we've got that feedback for, for next year. Um, and and you do you get inspired during the event ways you can make it better and things you you, you can improve upon, um, and then it's just a case of 
you always you always want things to happen sooner but for whatever reason you know everything is always feels like it's last minute mm. you know currently we're about seven weeks away from the semi-final now and I would like to have been more organized by now but just through the nature of events and the way things work and you're always waiting on third parties and answers and there's such a dynamic thing that you you you're never going to be able to get everything ready when you want it to be so um so i guess the 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 short answer to yours is is uh as early as possible but in reality it's um doesn't always transpire that way and you're taking care of everything from spectator experience to athlete um care to health and safety of the venue like every single thing is coming under your remit yeah not me personally but um I, I i i probably within strength and depth i lean towards the sport side of things and um i have two gentlemen who run cross glasgow ian and gavin um who would be great to have on here as well because they they've consistently had the most amount of um open signups at their box i think they had close to 400 uh, oh well done guys this year, yeah so they the uh, but they i i um they helped me with the programming side of things and the rule books and the floor plans or the layouts and, and anything we we call it sport anything to do with sport basically so they helped me with that um operationally wise my wife megan leads on that and we have some event managers who um support her doing that and it's changed over the years as well we've tried different iterations it still is i, I kind of joke but it, it still is a bit of a hobby for me if i'm honest vicky but this is mm. this is something i do in my in my spare time so um so we're still trying to figure out the the most efficient way of running it um without it all being on one person's shoulders um so yeah so she'll she'll manage logistics i'll do a little bit of uh support I have a girl, Brian, who's supporting me on social media and stuff at the moment, but a lot of that does feed into the sport. So there's there's lots of overlap, basically. Um, so, yeah, between myself and my wife, really, we we kind of um, oversee everything and then we've got people that support us. And then on the actual days, on the days leading up and the days afterwards as well, I guess you're also leaning on a lot of volunteers to set up and break down and actually run the event. Yeah, and that's where it gets really fun. Um, we have some some team leads that have been with us for a very long time. Uh, Paula in um, Athlete Control, as an example, she is incredible at what she does in terms of just getting the athletes where they need to be, making sure that they turn up on time and all that sort of stuff. Like such an important job that's kind of really got, goes unnoticed really and is taken for granted. But if you, if, you know, she does such a brilliant job to make sure that we're all on time and that things just run smoothly. Um, so she, yeah. And then we've got Lorna who's supported us from a judging capacity over the years. Um, a good friend of mine, Barnaby, will help us from a logistics perspective. So it's kind of like a reunion. We'll get together and... Um, I just my my job is so easy usually at the event because the team leads are so brilliant at what they do and they kind of they're pretty autonomous really and it's just a case of Megan and I being there to oversee and just troubleshoot if things arise but um, hopefully if we've done our job and we've briefed everybody and, and empowered everybody then hopefully it's not too stressful during the 
during the weekend itself. Have you already programmed the events for the semis? I'm pretty much. Is there any any hints we can have on what you're going to definitely no hints. Prepare definitely no hints. Um, We we so this year um, for those maybe don't know, with the semi final CrossFit have programmed two events, which every Mm. semi final are going to are going to program. And then it's on us to fill the fill the gaps. And so we use those two events as our anchors, what we would call anchors. Um, and then we build the test around those two um, those two events just to make sure there's a balanced uh, fitness uh, test. And then we've been submitting the workouts to CrossFit. They've been giving us some feedback, which has been great just to have that thought partner and just be able to bounce things back and forth. Um, I say I say CrossFit. I mean the sport team at CrossFit, um, and so we're we're pretty much there with the individual events. Team, we got some feedback yesterday on the team events. A few tweaks, I think, just so we can refine things and make it better and make it as as good a test as possible. But also, um, it visually be great for the spectators and fans to follow as well. And that's something that we do. It's not um, is is secondary, but it's still something important to consider as we we look to try and progress the sport and develop it um, to a wide audience. Um, so yeah, almost there. I would say ninety five percent of the way there. Um, it's we're certainly more organised with the workouts than we've been in the past. So that's that's a good thing. Touch wood. Any open water rowing? No open. I can I can confirm <laughs> no open water rowing. I think you know that. People, everyone has their opinion um, about regionals versus sanctionals versus semi-finals. Mm-hmm. Event um, organizers. I used to love regionals. Um, I think the way it was consistent across all the regions was great for the cross comparison. It had a certain look and feel and a balance to it and a cadence to it that became familiar and people looked forward to and 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 um, come to love. I think with the sanctionals, we had a lot more freedom to do what we wanted to. And because it was a standalone event, um, there was a bit more flexibility, which was great. But also, I think it can lend itself to become a bit gimmicky as well. I don't think our rowing was gimmicky and we we were very adamant to make sure that it wasn't. But um, I I like some I like the balance we've got now, the semifinals, where there's some some consistency, but then there's some there's some flexibility around that to to program your own events and and put your own feel and stamp on it so um yeah it, it's interesting to know that you're sending the you send the workouts to crossfit for approval i didn't realize that that was part of the process so i mean maybe i mean if they really thought something was out of balance with the other competitions the other semi-final competitions maybe they would have an input in that what do you think Yes, no, absolutely. They, I think they've been very um, – what, what Boz and his team have done is they've been very um, – they've not told us, but they've advised. So they've given guidance and said, this is something you should think about. You know, you haven't got X in your programming uh, or we tested X in the quarterfinals, consider testing something else in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. So it's been steers more than anything. And um, and that's been great just to have some outsider's perspective. I think that the hardest thing with the programming is just getting the test as good as possible and finding people that are talented enough to test them 
that aren't already involved in uh, in in uh, oh, right, yeah. the semi-finals or or has a friend that's always programmed by a an organization that programs for athletes it's just very 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 difficult to have that um, confidentiality and find the talent enough people but we've mm-hmm. managed to do it um and we're getting there but that's because i think um there's i get i get a lot of um stick from my team for taking a long time to refine the workouts and stuff but they do just need tweaking and they need constant refinement um for them to be perfect and to be the right test particularly with the team stuff as well because you've got four people that you're trying to coordinate and making sure that you've not got people standing around too long uh mm. but still have that variance in there etc um they're, they're they're the team ones are very difficult to get right um so and at some point you need to just yeah like you said unless you've got that arena set up and you've got like everything perfect. Like I, like the I can't replicate. I can get close to replicating the arena that's going to be at strength and depth in my box, but um, I can't get it perfect. So there's always going to be a little guesswork involved, and and um, yeah, just use some initiative and some some past experiences and stuff. Um, but yeah, no. Before speaking to you, I would have said I think that all of the semi-finals should have the same workouts. And having looking at your face now and seeing how it, it like the creative spark that's coming off you when you're talking about doing it, I understand now much more about why the different semi-finals still have that that autonomy because I can see that you're much more invested. If someone just gave you nine workouts and said they go ollie get those organized it wouldn't have this you wouldn't have the same passion for it would you um i'm, I'm i think it's it's uh it's a good question vicky I, I think it's much easier if the programs if the workouts were given to us it'd save a lot of stress mm. and hassle um but like you said it's a lot more satisfaction when when the actual end result um is delivered certainly to know that you played a part in that and um you know, it is it, that creative process is something that gives me fulfillment and I enjoy. So um, I think you're right. I think, um, honestly, though, the sport side of things is something that we absolutely have to get right and is the number one priority. But when we're building this event and when I'm looking at it as a whole, there's so much more around the actual sport and the workouts itself that we need to get right from an experience perspective. And that's some, the... the I'm 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 equally as motivated and inspired by making sure that we create an experience for everybody as attending event, whether they're a volunteer, whether they're um, an athlete, whether they're a spectator, whether they're a coach. I've got the list in front of me, like for for each of the stakeholders, so affiliate owners, athletes, volunteers, spectators, coaches, partners. Um, we absolutely have to make sure that we create an experience for all those people, because ultimately for me, the events, this, the reason why we continue to do the events, because they're, they're hard work. Like I said, it's a very time consuming hobby is um, that experience that people get, they'll remember forever, like possessions come and go, but the, the actual human experience of being there and connecting with the, the collective and the community and the CrossFit community that, um, you know, very rarely do we get all those stakeholders together under one roof. Mm. a european scale as well and i take that responsibility very seriously and i want to make sure that we create a great unforgettable experience for people that will will enrich their lives and and give them those memories for 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 the rest of their lives so um 
So yeah, I do the, the, I do get excited about the workouts and I love the programming side of things. And that's probably why I haven't delegated that off because I have delegated a lot of other things. But the overall experience is probably my top priority in making sure that everyone comes and has a, a great experience. The, um, the Let's talk about your real job then, because that's your hobby. Say again? Yeah. Let's really, talk about yeah. your real job then, yeah. the day job, the nine to, nine to five. I guess it's not nine to five uh, if you're trying to, to cope with... <laughs> cope with the, Euro- the European aspects of CrossFit. But as, a, as the, um, the European manager, what is your overall role? So I have um, eight country managers that report into me and they have their own teams as well. Um, and so we have UK and Ireland, uh, Scandinavia, uh, Benelux, France, Spain, Italy, Portugal, and then the Dark region. And so I kind of, it's like Western Europe, really. And I'm really just there to support the country managers um, that are supporting their communities, basically. Um, and so I'm there to support them, make sure that they get resources. I'm trying to, you know, work upstream and, and speak to HQ in, in the States and um, make sure that we have the resources that we need and, and help refine processes and, and ways of working with them, um, but and also supporting the, the country managers, um, you know, in, in any way I can, really, whether it's just breaking down some boundaries or leaning on, on some advice or, you know, it's, uh, it's quite broad in, in nature. And, um, the country managers are kind of, again, they're a little, they're unsung, uh, unsung heroes, really, um, I take Nat as an example because she's close to you in proximity. But she, she, yeah, Nat and I had a great chat actually. She, what a girl! She is incredibly passionate and takes her her job and her her responsibility very very seriously. And um, yeah, she she is uh, whether it's helping fill a seminar or whether it's helping a box owner with a particular minor detail or whether it's helping a new gym open up or working with a competition to make sure that they have a good experience is this so it's so diverse there's so much to it um and uh yeah they're, they're um every day is different for them you know and i guess this my my number one job is just to make support them and make sure that they feel supported and they have what they need to to go and, and support their communities how is um, CrossFit expanding across Europe? I mean, what's our what's our numbers this year? I think we did pretty well in open signups this year. Yep. So we had the h- highest open signups. Um, Spain absolutely smashed that out of the water um, again, second year in a row. And France is um, got the most amount of signups outside the US. Uh, UK record numbers, Italy record numbers, Dutch record numbers. So it really is growing in this part of the world, and that's not. You know, we've got the data to support that, which is great. Um, affiliation, since lockdown, we've added almost 400 affiliates to Europe, which is huge. It's almost like 10%. Um, we've not seen this type of growth in a, in a long time. So, um, yeah, it's certainly all going in the right direction. And it makes my job very easy, thanks to the country managers and the work that they do in, in countries. So, um, super positive. And I think our job, I think... We'd be naive to think that it won't slow down at some point, um, but our job is just to keep the momentum and, and keep, um, yeah, keep supporting our existing affiliates. That's the 
for us, like that's the number one priority. So we support the current affiliates because they're the lifeblood of everything. They they are the ones that um, create the spaces for people to train. They're the ones that bring the community together. They're the ones that are changing lives on a daily basis in the box. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's something that as we grow, we don't we, we're very we're not very proactive in actually growing more affiliates we just we focus a lot of our efforts on the existing community and the existing athletes and affiliate owners and stuff and um the growth and the new wave of affiliates that come on kind of takes care of itself i noticed actually in the in the semi-finals of the people that have qualified to go through to the semi-finals so many italians and french athletes coming up so i mean do you do you think the connection between the growth of affiliates in those countries and the rise of those athletes is is there a connection do you think yeah i think there is i definitely think there is but then you always have to look at something like iceland as an example and their culture and the way they are and the way they've kind of embraced crossfit um means that they're incredibly successful at it and you have you there are pockets of countries where they maybe don't have that. Greece is another one that I've noticed that they haven't a lot of affiliates in Greece, but they have a lot of successful athletes. And I, it might be culturally, I, I'm not entirely sure, but um, obviously, the more people you have participating in CrossFit in your in your region or in your country is going to translate into um, more successful athletes. Um, but it's not always the case. What do you think about? Um the current sort of situation with communication from um, HQ down to the athletes and to the affiliates, is, is it improving, do you think? Because I know that there was a lot of um, turbulent times recently, but also a lot of complaints about people just being left in the dark. How do you think that it's improving or do you think it has improved? Yeah, I 100% think it's improved. And a lot of that is down to the in-country um, managers um and you know as an example it seems like a tiny detail but we will call every affiliate on their birthday and see how they're doing on doing and if we if we can do that we know that at the very least we've checked in with every affiliate every year and made sure that they're right and most of the time they're like we're good we're happy um but they they know that they they have somebody to reach out to and they and if they are have they if they are struggling to reach out to hq for whatever reason They've got somebody in country that they can speak in their own language, like translation and, and language barrier is a huge thing that people take for granted, particularly if you're English speaking. Um, but just being able to reach out to somebody in your native tongue and just be able to like navigate some of the some of the things that maybe grappling with it, it has made a huge difference. I think um, we can improve, and I think we need to improve. Certainly, need to get better at some of the comms, but. Um, you know, there we have absolutely improved in the last 12, 18 months. And in the last three years since I've been involved from a HQ perspective, we, um, we, we've definitely, definitely improved. Um, but knowing that we can do better. I, I would like more um, clarity and more transparency around things like the seeding process. Like how did they decide which athletes would go to which semi-final, for example. I think that's really interesting to know more about. I think the athletes would like to know as well how it's... I mean, they're given a survey, but the end, the final decision, how is it made? Those sorts of things I think would be interesting. But then I guess maybe if they have... If they're more transparent, then they're putting themselves up for more challenges. Yeah, and I guess it's only relevant, relevant to um, Europe and America. And I know America, North America, 
No, there's had some challenges over there. In in Europe, you know, just looking at my list, it's very kind of like number one went to Lowlands, number two went to Strength and Depth, number three went to Lowlands, number four went to Strength and Depth. If you look at it, it does look very consistent there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely is not an exact science and it's something that they will certainly learn some lessons. And I think that's something everybody needs to bear in mind is everybody wants consistency and they want the season to stay the same and and they don't want too many changes and I don't think that helps anybody it does need a uh, a period of stabilization and some consistency over the year on year um but these are all new things that the sport team are trying to improve and make the sport better and they're not always going to get it right and um you know they'll learn lessons and 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 get better for it as well so it must be tough on them as well when they get a lot of blowback on social media or various outspoken commenters will commentators will just be like putting pressure on them all the time so it must be hard for them to not become defensive and angry about it as well yeah i think you've got some very level-headed people there that have taken a lot of criticism over mm. years so i think they've become and you i mean i've even experienced this with strength and depth we've not we've not always got it right and you definitely develop a thicker skin and there will be people that um they will respect and will will take the feedback from and there'll be other people that they realize it's just social media being social media and yeah. um, at the end of the day they will be making the decisions for the right as long you know they will be making decisions for the right reasons and because they believe it will enhance the sport and improve the sport um, and like I said, they might not always get it right, but the intentions are, are there and it's an incredibly hard job. And as an uh, event organizer myself, I've been very lucky because the sport and the, the, the games team have, they've ultimately invented the sport and forged a uh, way of doing things and best practices. And they're kind of trailblazing. They're leading the way into this stuff where nobody's gone before. And so, so they have to kind of come up with these formats and processes and ideas themselves. Um, and I can just kind of replicate and copy it as a, as a competition director. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so it's not an easy job for them at all. Very challenging. No. Yeah. Well, finally, I'm, I'm assuming there are tickets left for Strength and Depth. Yeah, we sold out in 2020. Um, yeah. So we hope to do that again, but we've definitely got plenty left. So So how can people get tickets? So you go to www.strengthanddepth.com. Um, you'll be able to access your ticket there. So, And you, you, you don't have any gaps for volunteers? You're totally full up. We're full on volunteers. Um, yeah, we're full on volunteers, which I'm incredibly grateful for. And, and um, you know, again, there's huge responsibility on us to make sure that those volunteers have a great experience because it's uh it's a it's a special type of person to give up your your week to support an event um so yeah i want to make sure that we repay them and and give them uh, a great experience brilliant well good luck and i hope to see you in june yes please we'd love to have you thank you ollie and best of luck next week with the semi-final Next up, I have Catherine Izel on the podcast. She is a German athlete who has qualified for the first time to compete at Strength in Depth next week. And boy, does she have a journey. Until then, 
Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod. <laughs>